0: I'd like to speak to you this morning just for a few moments that we have together on uh, what I have perceived as a sensitivity among men today that goes beyond biblical standards, Uh, far beyond biblical standards. Uh, People are very emotional today. There's nothing wrong with emotions, but they cannot be depended on. Emotions are subject to flesh. Flesh. And unless our emotions are filtered down through the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, they can easily go over the, the banks of the river and be destructive in many, many ways. So I would like to speak this morning specifically to men <laughs> and to what God says to men. You recognize, of course, uh, this all started back when I was a young man when uh, the unisex movement began, um, you need to be in touch with your feminine side. May I say this to you? I do not have a feminine side. (laughs) I do not have that. But, But that was sold society. That's what we were told. Unfortunately, society bought into that. And I try to say it without weeping, Many Christians bought into that. And that men stopped being men and started giving in to their emotional side. So we have a society today where men are not exactly sure if they're men. Uh, where uh, someone with the wrong attitude and type of thinking begins to convince their children they may not be what they were born with. Turn with me to First Corinthians for a moment, please. Chapter 6, I want you to know, and you know this, of course, I'm just by way of reminder, that there is nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. This type of attitude, this type of behavior has, in fact, been through the generations. Paul's talking to the church at Corinth, who, by the way, was an affluent society, and every time a society becomes affluent they begin to immerse themselves into pleasurable things. They begin to immerse themselves into frivolity, the things of the world, if you would. Um, I was amazed, weren't you, uh, as much as I enjoy our sports and um, watch it occasionally, I listen to it more and now I cannot stand the activity of them, but I, as I watched it occasionally, that people were paying tens of thousands of dollars for a seat for a hockey game. A hockey game. Now, of all the thousands of people that were there, I'm afraid there may have been some Christians that were there. And I wonder if those Christians give as much to missions as they did to the hockey game. I do not know, but these are things that run through my mind at least. We're in First Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor uh, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. If we went through each one of these Greek words together, we would blush. We would be horrified. Uh, all of this is pointing to what's going on today in in the movement that's out there today, the L, B, G, T, X, Y, Z type thing. Now, I I do not say this to be political. I'm not political. I just want you to see what God says. But there needs to be a change, does there not? And I'm not focusing especially on them, but what I am saying is the feminine side the, the, the soft side, that has produced this in the lives of individuals. And God says, and such were some of you. But notice as he continues on, and such were some of you. But you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. What does God say? You need to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. We're cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And so God wants us to recognize that there's nothing new under the sun. This happened in Babylon. This happened in Rome. This happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. And unfortunately, the same type of attitude is happening here in the United States. Why? Because men are not men. Men are not men. God wants men to stand. Now, what does that mean? I want you to recognize, first of all, that uh, what does God call manliness? It's it's not strength, physical strength. It's, it's some there's people that are incredibly strong that are complete morons. We're not talking about that. It's it's not um, it's not that which. Uh, I can produce a child. That's that's not manliness. It's it's not the ability to be stubborn and thick-headed. That's not manliness. What does God look for a man in manliness? Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 66, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah 66. What is God looking for as far as a man is concerned? Again, we're not talking about that which unsaved people can do. If unsaved people can do it, that doesn't mean, well, I'm a man. Not according to the word of God. You may be of the male species, but that's not what God's talking about. Notice what the Lord says. Now, please, this is in, this is in can we say, argument or refuting what men think. I won't have you turn there, but if you went back to the 50th psalm, God is speaking, of course, by the Spirit of God through the Word of God. God is simply saying this. If I were hungry, I would not ask you for food. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. He said, you said all this. This is what your thinking was, essentially. He said, and I kept silent. Why? Because you thought I was altogether such a one as you are. Do you know men, many people today, think of God like they are? They think God should be like they are. They bring God down to their standard, and that's how they're going to worship him, no matter what. God says, no, I'm altogether different. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Isaiah 66. Thus saith the Lord, the heavens are my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me, and where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath my hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. So God's just simply explaining to his people, Israel, that he's sovereignly in control of everything. And though they're going to build him a house and a place of worship, that's not where he's going to dwell He made these things. Think about this. God created the tree that the Lord Jesus Christ hung upon. He's God. He's different. His ways are not our ways. The whole Bible is all about God. It's not about you. It's all about who he is and his purposes. And then he says this, so interesting. But to this person, to this man will I look. Even to him that is of a poor and contrite spirit and trembles at my word. What a passage of scripture. What does it mean to tremble at the word of God? It simply means this, that a man, a woman of God, particularly pointed to the men here, a man of God is to make sure he looks at God's word, believes God's word, and then does God's word. See, if you believe it, you're going to do it, right? I meet all kinds of people today who call themselves Christians, and they're not interested in doing the Word of God. Well, listen, don't call yourself a Christian then. Because God says you must be a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. If you're not a doer of the Word, that is, believe unto salvation and then live unto sanctification, if you don't do that, then you're not a Christian at all. You're just simply not. You say, well, you have no right to judge. I haven't. God has. He's the sovereign judge. So when God tells us he's looking for a man to tremble at his word, what does he he mean? He's one that looks at the word of God, believes the word of God, and then does the word of God. Why? Because God means what he says and always says what he means. Recognize, of course, of course, this goes beyond without saying, but I can only have the power of God through the spirit of God, the facilitator of God. The Spirit of God dwelling in me uses the Word of God in me to live a life that's complete in Christ Jesus, mature in Christ Jesus. So it's always the Spirit of God. But notice from the Scriptures, it's a responsibility. It's not an option. Once I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, I don't have an option to do anything else but live according to the Word of God. It is required among stewards that a man be found faithful. It's not an option. It's a requirement. And that takes a man. Why? Because this world is totally against that. This world is totally against men being men. You need to be sensitive. Listen, sensitive and biblical are not always the same thing. We need to be sensitive biblically. That means love, right? But it's within the parameters of love. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in truth. We need to make sure that we're fixed upon what God's word says. Why? Because that's what God requires of men. But you don't get it, Pastor Bill. I get it. I understand. But here's what God said. In a world that disclaims the word of God, you're going to listen to what they say? Go back to the Bible. Always go back to the word of God. Now, why is that? Well, (coughs) God said it. There used to be a Bible study years ago, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Can I say it this way? God said it, and that settles it, whether you believe it or not. Forever, O Lord, is thy word settled in heaven. There it is. You're not going to get away with it. Well, you know, Jesus loves me. Of course he loves you. He gave his life for you. But if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. That's what the scriptures tell us. This is is very poignant, I recognize that. But realize this, that God said that we must all Christians, every one of us, everyone who calls himself a Christian, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things that have done in this body, whether they be good or whether they be worthless. What does God require from men? just simply to believe his word and to act accordingly. God said it, and that's what I must do. That's what I must say. That's what I must be. Listen, we all know people that are outside the parameters of this, maybe even family members. It hurts. It's painful. We don't, we don't want to separate from them. We want to love them. But by capitulating, you'll never get, they'll never get anywhere we must always be fixed on the word of God. We must always say what's right in love, speaking the truth in love, continually. But when we become sensitive, when we allow our emotions to run over the bank of a river, nothing but destruction happens from then. So I want to, if I could, look at a couple of Old Testament examples that I think will help us in our thinking, you men particularly. God wants men to be settled, just settled on the word of God. God also wants men to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not my strength. It's not I have a gun, I have a baseball bat. It's none of that. It's being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. God wants us to make sure that we're strong in the Scriptures taking on the shield of the faith, an offensive weapon, by the sword of the Spirit, the defensive weapon, always being fixed upon that. Head with me to the 24th proverb for a moment, please. <clears throat> Say, well, you don't understand, and I might not. I'll give you that for granted. I might not completely understand, but God does, and God knows. And you can ration with me or with anyone else you want, but God says something that we must live by. We can talk our wives into stuff, they're sensitive. By the way, I'm so happy my wife is sensitive. She, she helps me to balance my own life. She helps me to keep that, that correct balance. So I need to listen to what she has to say, but I also need to stay fixed upon the Word of God. because her emotions can make me run astray and my whatever it is that i am <laughs> can can have an effect on her so i want to be careful that we keep this balance we're in the 24th psalm notice this pick it up right if you would please in verse in verse 3 for through wisdom is a house built and by understanding it is established god's talking about don't be envious verse 1 of of desirous, of evil men. Don't be envious of them. Don't allow your emotions to pull you down that path. In the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. And then they go down this storage line of, of thinking. Why? Because they love themselves, emotionally caught up with who I am and what I am. Notice what God says. He says, And by knowledge shall the precious chambers be filled with precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increases in strength. For by wise counsel thou shalt make war, and in a multitude of counsels there's safety. Skip down, if you would, now, please, to the passage I want to uh, focus on. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If you cave in, if you fold up, in the day of adversity, it's because you have not believed God. It's on you. It's not on him. Now, this is not talking about a momentary weakness that can come upon all of us. It's not talking about, a, you know, a, just something that's overpowering, that can, uh, can overcome me. That's not what God's talking about. But God's talking about when the day of adversity comes. If you fold up and don't recover from that, you have weak faith, little faith. Those is because of emotions. Now we want to continue on this thought because I can see some looks on some faces here that are frightening me. So let's go on a little further. What will happen when the day of adversity comes? Well, you, you, you'll be shocked by it. I, I've been shocked by many things in my life. You, you'll be unsettled by it for a few minutes. But then the spirit of God has to speak through this, does he not? Of course he does. And what will he say? He said, sir, I want you to remember this, that you're my child. You belong to me. And my grace is sufficient for you, that you need to rest upon me. If you go after anything, any adversity in your emotions, you will lose every time. You must go at adversity through God's word. Now, I don't know if you're like me, men. When something happens, the first thing I do is try and figure it out. I don't know about you. How am I going to do that? And the wheels are clicking and everything else. And finally, the spirit of God says, let's think this through. What do I say? What does my word say about this? Secondly, in all of this, God says all things work together for good. God has allowed something to enter into your life, and he has a plan, and he has a purpose in that. Thirdly, whatever enters my life filters through the hands of the living God. Everything that comes into my life filters through the hands of the living God. We say, well, you don't understand, Pastor Bill, I was in great pain I'm a man acquainted with pain. I'm not saying this for your sympathy. I do not want it. I had bilateral knee replacement surgery. I I had hip replacement surgery. I had cancer surgery. I even had a kidney stone. (coughs) It was worse than all of them. But I understand pain. I know what that's like. I recognize that. But you know, sooner or later, the Spirit of God has to speak to you and say, listen, I have allowed this in your life. My grace is sufficient for thee. A man must come to that conclusion sooner or later, or he will continue to wallow in the misery of his life. It's just the way it is, folks. I'm not pointing at anyone or anything, but recognize this, you must have the strength to recognize who God is and his purposes and to continue on in that. Let's look at a person, if we can, please. Head with me to the book of Ezra, Ezra chapter 10. That's right after the Kings, of course, and Chronicles, and then Ezra. Ezra was a man of God, a great man of God. May I say that, please? There's no question in my mind how great he was. God talks about him as a great, great man of God. He led the peoples, after Zerubbabel, he led the people back to Israel uh, for the purpose of reconstituting the land and reconstituting the worship within the land. He's there several months, even unto several years, and he finds out, he finds out the people are doing exactly the same thing that got them evicted from the land by God, exactly the same thing. They're mixing themselves among the foreign women. There's all kinds of a mess there. He's put his life into this. His whole life was fixed upon honoring the Lord. What happens? He, he loses it. We're in Ezra chapter 10. Look, if you would, please, at verse 1. <clears throat> this is after a long, lengthy prayer, a wonderful prayer, chapter 9. And when Ezra had prayed... And when he had confessed, notice in verse 1, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, there was assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children for the people wept bitterly. You get that? Not only is he crying, not only is he emotionally wrought and discouraged and, and just overburdened with what has just gone on, not only that, there's a whole group of people around him. So not only is he crying, he has all kinds of people crying around him. Then a man stands up. Look, if you would please, at verse 2. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, answered and sent to Ezra, we have trespassed against our God and have married foreign women of the people of the land, yet now there is hope in Israel concerning this thing. You see that? Ezra had come to a place where God had to remind him through this man that you've lost hope, you've lost strength, you've lost conviction. The day of adversity is here and your faith is small at this moment. You must progress out of this. You must go forward. Now, therefore, let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives and such as are born of them according to the counsel of my Lord and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God and let it be done according to the law. Now listen to this, please. Arise, get up, for this matter belongs to thee. We will also be with thee. Be of courage and do it. You see that? A man of God must do it. Must do it. To everything, there is a season. Everything, there's a purpose under heaven. But there's a time to stand up and be a man. And God called on Ezra to do it. What would happen if Ezra kept weeping? Nothing. What would happen if he just gave, I quit? Nothing. Nothing. God would replace him with another man, of course. But God had a purpose here. Get up and do it. It's your job. Listen, guys, your wife doesn't need a sister. She needs a man. She needs a man in her life. She needs a man she can rely upon. You need to be a man of your word. You need to be a Psalms 15 man. If you don't know what that is, look it up later. You need to be a man that's going to do what you say and say what you do. You need to be that man that is ready to stand for the word of God. In this day of a society which is so fraught with feminism and emotions, someone needs to do something, someone needs to stand up, and God is requiring Christians to do that. It is required among servants that a man be found faithful. God's word demands that of us. It's not an option. It's not an option. So let's look at it a little further if we can, please. Head with me to Ezra chapter 10. I'm sorry, I already have you there. Uh, How about this? Let's go to Joshua chapter 1. The Old Testament book of Joshua chapter 1. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua chapter 1. Remember, Moses has died. Moses did not keep the commandment of the Lord, and he died up in the mountains of Pisgah. It's right down on the what we would call the eastern side of the Dead Sea in the land of Moab. <coughs> Joshua now is going to lead the people of Israel into the land of Israel. And notice what God says to Joshua. Verse 8, Joshua one eight, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou, that thou may observe, to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong, be of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. That is not written in the Word of God for nothing. God did not need to fill in something. Oh, I haven't said enough in my letter yet. Let me add verses 9 and 10. This is written for a purpose, so that you and I, every word of God is pure, so that you and I, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, so that you and I may read this and recognize God's demanding something here. God is looking for something here. Okay, so what happens? Well, head with me to chapter 6, Joshua chapter 6. Look at verse 7 for a moment. Great, great victory, and I'm sure you're aware of this, the taking of Jericho. I uh, have have been uh, there in Jericho in the land of Israel. I was there before it was given over to the Palestinian Authority, and we could walk near the walls of Jericho. It is said that three chariots could ride side by side on the walls of Jericho. It was a massive, mighty place. You cannot go there today because it 's under Palestinian authority, but just an incredible, incredible place. You know the story that uh, Joshua is supposed to bring the people around the city in, in what we would look at. A, this is foolishness. Walk around the city and blow some horns. It'd be like you going down to a large building downtown Providence and blowing a trumpet at it. What's going to happen? Nothing. Someone's going to throw a few coins in your bucket and that's it. <clears throat> Joshua marching around the city. Finally, 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 the walls of Jericho fall down. Look at verse 9. And the armed men went before the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark, and the priest going on and blowing the trumpets, and the walls fall down. Great, great victory. Just a little while later, not too long after this, just a few days, if you would, after this, turn with me to chapter 7. Chapter 7. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing, and Achan he's our villain here, steals some of the Babylonian stuff and hides it in his tent, digs a hole in his tent and puts it in the ground. May I remind you of this? Where can you go from the spirit of the Lord? The is nowhere. Can you go up to heaven? Behold, he's there. Can you go in the earth? He's there also. So Achan's trying to hide something that God's looking right through the tent and seeing, right in the ground. So what happens? Well, God sends the nation against Ai, and they're thoroughly defeated, horribly defeated, Thousands of men killed in this tr- horrendous battle. And what happens to Joshua? Joshua is emotionally beset here. He's, he's completely overwhelmed with this great battle. And, and he falls on his face before the Lord. And I want you to notice the Lord's answer. Joshua, you poor thing. I, I see that you are terribly distressed and 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 mentally taxed with this. Have you taken your medication today? (laughs) Or perhaps, perhaps you need a comfort dog. Perhaps. Some kind of thing that will help you when you're emotional besetting. Where's Joshua? He's on his face lying on the ground. What does God say? Pick it up in verse 10. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get up. Why lie thou with thy face upon the ground? God is not emotional at this time. God is not exhibiting his feminine side. He is telling Joshua, you have a job to do. Get up. It's very interesting. You say, well, maybe that's not the word in the Hebrew. Yes, it is. If you don't believe that, look at verse 13, up, up. When the times get rough, when the times get tough, the tough should get going. And if you have the strength of the Lord, it's time to react. But if I say that, if I do that, people won't like me. Of course they won't. Don't you understand? God says that you're to stand as a man of God. God says that you're to stand in strength. God says you stand in might and power and wisdom, and may I add this, in love. In love. And love does not rejoice in iniquity. What did God say to Joshua? The people of Israel have gone against my commandments, and it's your job to take care of this. Get up and take care of it. Sanctify the people. Why? Tomorrow, judgment's coming. So God wants us to recognize fully that he has something for us, something for us to do in serving him. But all around us today, all around us uh, as men, you can see men falling regularly. And unfortunately, Christian men. I've seen it. Unfortunately, Christian men. God tells us not to allow our emotions to render us, first of all, hopeless. Secondly, helpless. And thirdly, actionless. Your emotions can render you actionless. I don't know what to do. How about this? Ask God. Ask God what you to do. Look into the word of God. Filter your thinking through the word of God. Why? Because God wants you to do something to serve him. You say, well, I can. not I don't have uh, you know, my, my, my health. I don't have this. I don't have that. No, you may not. But God has something for you that he wants you to do. He has something that he wants you to serve him in with some capacity. And God wants us to always be looking for his will and his way. Head with me, if you would, just for a moment, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians 16. I think of all the, all the sufferings that people can go through, I think probably uh, of all the sufferings that people can go through, the emotional part is the most difficult. I hesitated to tell you this, but, but I'm, I'm going to tell you it Anyway. As a young man, as a young child, I was not wanted. I'm not looking for your emotion. I don't want him. But as a young man, I was not wanted. It seemed like I came too early and I was a problem uh, for the fun that could be had. I was kind of in the way. And I lived my whole life like this. I do not want to belittle anyone, but I was told that it was better probably that I was drowned like a rodent when I was young. Uh, so that way, I wouldn't be in the way. Um, And why do I say this? Well, at age 15, I was homeless for a period of time. I lived under a bridge in Lowell, Massachusetts. Now, why do I say that? Well, so you'll feel sorry for me. No, I know a little about emotional pain. I know what it's like to be rejected. I recognize that. I know what it's like to have family problems. I know what it's like to have physical problems. I'm not just saying this, but Paul said, when I was a child, I thought as a child. I acted as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. You can't fix the past. You can't go back there and get it all right. You just can't do it. What do you need to do? You need to go forward, pressing forward to the mark of the high calling of the prize in Christ Jesus. You can't live in the past. And some men, and even Christian men, allow the pass. Oh, I had a hard time. Join the club. Join the club. We've all had difficult times. We could make each other cry with the little stories. But what does God say? No, no. Act like a man. We're in 1 Corinthians 16. Look, if you would, please, at verse 13. 1 Corinthians 16. And I am interested in verse 13. Watch my uh, King James' Bible says, "Watch, be alert. Heads up, sir. Be alert. Stand fast. You know what that means? Stand on solid ground. The only solid ground I know is the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch, stand fast. Notice, what are you standing fast? In the faith, the word of God. How do you resist the devil? First Peter five. How do you resist the devil? In the faith, it's the word of God that always comes. Watch, stand fast in the faith. Quit or conduct yourself like men. I don't want someone sniveling. I want someone that can help me. I want a man to help me. Your wife wants a man to lead the family. Your company wants a man to act like a man. God wants men to be men. Why? As examples to the world round about us. Why? Because if we conduct ourselves, Peter tells us, like men, and the whole world is falling down around us, which it is, they'll ask a reason for the hope that's within you. But if you snivel and cry with them, they're not gonna look to you for anything. They don't want it. They want a man who's gonna stand like a man. My mother. My, no, leave your mother out of this. My wife and I, we contracted a, a plumber to come to our house to do some plumbing work. We just moved. Um, we don't have a sink running. We have all kinds of plumbing issues. Sir, uh, will you come? Yes. He gave me the figure. It was honest. It was uh, a good figure. He said, yes, he would come. Guess who didn't show up? The plumber. Guess who I needed desperately? The plumber. Why didn't he show up? It looks like he's an unsaved guy. I don't think he was a Christian. It looks like he's an unsaved guy. You know what? Unsaved men don't keep the word. The 15th Psalm says this. Who who does God look to? He looks for a man who swears to his own hurt and changes not. If your neighbor can't rely upon you your wife can't either. You must be prepared to do exactly what you said you'd do. If someone came to me and said, Sir, I understand you got a figure for your plumbing. Yes, I did. I can do it for half that price. I'd say, no, sir, my word is good to the man I came. I gave it to. That's not because I am something special. It's because that's what God says. God says you swear to your own hurt and do not change. Okay, conduct yourself like men. Be strong. Be strong. Can I say this? There's no sensitive side to strong. There's none at all. There's love, but there's a big difference between love and being sensitive. Real biblical love is based upon what God says. Did the Lord Jesus Christ weep? Yes, he had occasion to weep. Was he compassionate? Yes, he had occasion to be compassionate. But when he had to talk to the Pharisees, he talked to them in love, but in great truth. And that's what we need to be men. I'm not saying this to you to ruin your Father's Day. I hope you have a good Father's Day. I think I might even get a hot dog tonight. I don't know. But what does God want from us? Not a Neanderthal, you understand that, please? Please understand that, I'm not saying that. I was brought up hard, so I have a difficult time with softness. I I get that. But God's not looking for a Neanderthal, he's looking for a man. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. To faint is to be rendered unable, weakness. Men not always to pray. Remember our verse from the book of Isaiah? Remember our verse from Proverbs? What does God say? We're not to faint. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3. Consider him that endured such contradiction, essentially for you, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. Hebrews 12, 5. My son, despise not the chasing of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. Turn with me to Isaiah 40 and we'll start. Isaiah chapter 40. Say, well, what do you know, Pastor Bill? You came from a good home. No, I didn't. What do you know, Pastor Bill? You never experienced pain. Yes, I have. Pastor Bill, what do you know? You never experienced weakness. Yes, I have. But this one thing I know, God says something, and that's what I need to do. Amen. That's what I need to do. Isaiah 40, we'll stop in, when I read this. Verse 28. Hast thou not known? God speaking to the children of Israel. This is, this, he's talking to, through Isaiah, he's talking to the people in the northern ten tribes. They've long since gone apostate from God. All that's left that's even ink, an inkling of honoring God is the two so, tribes in the south. And Isaiah is writing to them to, to strengthen themselves. He does not want to judge him. God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He does not want that. But he has said something, and he's going to keep his word. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There's no searching of his understanding. God is beyond you. God is greater than you are. Just go back to him. He's not weak like you are. He's not mentally taxed like you are. He's not concerned like you are. Just rely on him. Believe him. Verse 20. He giveth power to the faint, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. That's me. That's me. He giveth power to the faint, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even youth youth shall faint. I've seen it. Haven't you? I've seen young, strong men fold up like a cheap suit. I've seen that. But what does God say? But they that wait upon the Lord. The word wait there is confidence, strength, reliance. Those who rely upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's a promise from the word of God. What a perfect promise. What a perfect promise for Father's Day. If you haven't been through adversity, you will. If you haven't through, been through heartache, you will. If you haven't been through physical pain, you will. But where's my reliance? Is it on me? It's on God. God's Word says something, and you and I need to rely upon the Word of God to be doers of that Word and not hearers alone. Every verse in this Bible, there's nothing in here insignificant. It's all about who God is and his purposes. God wants us to wait, have confidence in, rely upon the Lord. Happy Father's Day to all of you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. And Father, I, I know this is difficult. It, it's even, in some ways, uh, tough for people to hear. And yet, Lord, your word is, is that which holds us to a accountability. I pray for every man in this room that they would be strong, not, not in physical strength necessarily, but spiritual strength. That they would be strengthened with all might by your spirit in the inner man. That they would let the word of Christ dwell in them richly. That Father, we would turn to you in the days of adversity. Lord, we're, we're swimming in a sea of iniquity right now in this world. And yet Father, we need not succumb We need not fall prey to those who are desiring to take the Bible away from the world. Help us, Lord, to stand fast. Help us not to be deceived by satanic uh, abilities. Help us not to be deceived by emotions. Help us, Lord, to stand fast in the word of God. Lord, we, like Ezra and, and so many others, are looking at times, Lord, for for something tangible that we can touch, we know that we shall receive the end of our faith, even the salvation of our souls in glory, because our faith is not based upon things that are seen, but things that are not seen by the word of God. Father, thank you for this time. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.